it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi everyone, Brian Kilmeade here. Like the guy with the deep voice says, I'm so glad you're here. Rich Lowry will make heads or tails. It makes sense in 2024. The Republican contenders and the first man to drop out, Mayor Suarez, says I'm suspending my campaign, so he's done. I imagine Will Hurt, as much as we love him, when not making the debate stage, he'll be done. Uh, Larry Elder, I can't imagine making it with all his talent, but he does not have the momentum. He'll be done. The question is, who's going to be left uh, if you don't make the second debate stage as the criteria rises? So we'll talk about that. We'll be covering everything that's hitting Florida now. They have this huge hurricane hitting there. We've been covering it all morning, but I got to move on to the news. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military. And I believe he, Mark Schmitz, whose uh, son was killed in the uh, Abbey Gate explosion, was directing that at the commander in chief and Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. We will not forget, and Joe Biden will never recover. Two years from our epic fail in Afghanistan, uh, he authorized the and his he authorized an exit. His spineless generals and inept president combined to give us the biggest embarrassment since Saigon. Abby Gate casualties. Family spoke speaking out. We'll give you the latest. Number two. I need the both houses to come up with a real immigration reform package. New York City has run out of room. Any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. Thank you. And that is your president. You're a Biden guy, Eric Adams. We know all about it. We're paying all the money. You're putting them all over the fields and over the hotels. But it's your president. Family fight is on. And Democrats, uh, Democrats, President Biden, New York City Mayor Adams, New York Governor Hochul, all blaming each other for the hundreds of thousands and four to six million who have been flooding, flooding this country since Joe Biden took over. Disgraceful. Number one. Those are private email addresses. Remember Hillary Clinton? How many of those did Joe Biden willingly send over to the National Archives? But how many didn't get sent back over in the end? Yeah, that is Kimberly Strassel. Walls falling down around Joe Biden's shady family business. As 5,000 emails discovered uh, with the vice president using a pseudonym, an alias, inexplicably CCing Hunter on stuff like emails to Turkey and Ukraine. As we find out from the Daily Mail that Hunter and Archer schemed to have Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin and others fired for looking into a company that he was on the board of. Uh, and we'll have the latest on the hurricane, as I told you, uh, and Rich Lowry shortly. So where do we start? Let's start with what was discovered. Hunter Biden, uh, according to the Daily Mail, arranged a plan to close down a U.S. probe uh, into Burisma, a probe into Burisma. Now, 
he was urged to get some information and get some um, American pressure on Ukrainian prosecutors. Why American pressure? We're supplying a lot of the aid to Ukraine as they were trying to avoid an invasion, full-blown invasion from Russia. It ultimately failed. Emails showed that Hunter got about a million dollars a year from Burisma. Uh, as a board member that he had no qualifications for. But you have emails back and forth to the CEO of Brisbane asking him to use his D.C. contacts, which meaning his dad, to pressure the prosecutor to back off. That prosecutor, Victor Shokin, who I was able to talk to exclusively last week. Emails obtained by the Daily Mail bolster the claims by Shokin that Hunter and Joe Biden had him fired over the probe. Meanwhile, Joe Biden admitted as much while bragging to the Council of Foreign Relations. They have a shocking email revealing that Hunter helped coordinate a plan with the Democratic strategists to close down any cases against the owner, allegedly uh, uh, all his corruption with this gas company. Now, how did he do it? David Boys of Al Gore and election um, hanging Chad fame was hired to essentially work out a deal internationally where the pressure went on people like Shokin and others to back off Burisma. How crazy is this? But now we know that this was seemingly coordinated with his dad, who was talking about anything but the weather in all those meetings that Devin Archer was a part of and others that he wasn't a part of. Daily Mail got a hold of a lot of it and expect more. Because through a Freedom of Information Act that was listed, believe it or not, last June, they asked, under the newly revealed aliases of Joe Biden, and there are at least three, can you, National Archives, who wanted to bring charges against Donald Trump, find out how many emails? And I'd like to see them and what they say. You know what they said? Uh, we found 2,000. I mean 5,000 emails. Really? This vice president was quite busy with three separate identifications, along with his own identification. Isn't that interesting? Some of them had his schedule on it. Some of them were CC to Hunter, but most of them have not been revealed yet. How crazy is this? Jim Jordan, cut one. December 4th, 2015, they're meeting in Dubai, and it's Hunter Biden, it's Devin Archer, it's Pizarski, the guy you just indicated, and it's Zolchevsky, the head of Burisma. They're meeting there, and they say, this pressure is so intense, we need your help. Great Britain has seized 23 million of our assets. We're getting pressure from Shokin, the prosecutor. What can you do? Five days later, well, actually, there's a phone call at that meeting where they get on the phone yep. with someone in D.C. No one will tell us who it is. But we all we all kind of imagine who it was. And then five days later, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine and gives the speech where he talks about firing Shokin, firing the prosecutor. So this is before that. This is the run up to that. This is building the case for why they want to get uh, Shokin off their back and how they want Hunter Biden to help with that situation. This is what Rudy Giuliani was pursuing. Haphazardly on the ground. And got got the president impeached. Should he, should he have been impeached? No. But should you ever send somebody, I don't care who it is, to go investigate your future opponent? That's the problem. That even gave people the opportunity to jump down Donald Trump's throat almost about only a week after getting rid of the Mueller probe, which was pure folly and fancy. Jonathan Turley, 
Told you, told Jesse Waters this last night. Cut to. There's plenty of reason to be suspicious, including the fact that the president appears to have been lying uh, to the American people, even during the presidential campaign. Even the Washington Post has said that it's untrue what the president has said, that indeed his son made money in China. And we also know that Joe Biden was aware of these dealings. And one of the things that Archer said after his interview with Congress was that it was patently false that Joe Biden didn't know about their business. And you also see a change in the media. Now the media is willing to accept that indeed Hunter Biden was running an influence peddling operation. But they insist that he was just selling the illusion of influence and access. Well, how do we know that? Do you just assume that? These emails go could go a long way to determining what was a deliverable and whether it went beyond an illusion. Amazing, right? And now we're in a war in Europe with that same country which uh, I blame Vladimir Putin 100 110%. No question. Hey, we'll take the Donbass. We'll take Crimea because I'm a thug. And then when this country goes to fight back, we have to supply arms because we should. They fight like warriors. Uh, they want to be a member of the EU. And you can't just start invading countries because the Baltos should be next. You know, Moldova's uh, would have been circum uh, would have been just upended and steamrolled. And then they would sit there and threaten Poland. Next thing you know, they have a, a handpicked puppet government in some of these Eastern European nations that are now bringing a lot of quality and a lot of passion to our NATO alliance. So what does this all mean for 2024? I mean, it means a lot. I think that this plays into it. Number one, it makes Joe Biden less electable than ever. Number two, it backs up a little with Trump, a lot of what Trump was saying. This Biden family is as corrupt as the day is long. The son, you're caught up in the crack in the hookers. It is really about international business dealings. Now, don't forget about the China uh, Energy Company. Do not forget, which was actually financing the Belt and Road Program, which was created to upend American influence. And the Bidens felt perfectly fine allowing China to take over the Congo with us getting out of the way with the rare earth, which, which supplies these solar panels and a lot of these battery elements. Victor Shokin said what these emails show, that he was upended by the Bidens, and he thinks he knows why. Cut nine. I do not want to deal in unproven facts, but my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in uh, U.S. Uh, money in exchange for my dismissal, my firing. Isn't that alone a case of corruption? So I read this article. I read this column by Mark Thiessen. And Mark Thiessen writes, between this background that we're finding out about Joe Biden, he's not the guy, the old reliable guy without charisma who failed three times to become president and got the last time because he wanted to bring normalcy back to the presidency. Now we turned out the guy's constantly lying about big stuff and small stuff. The latest small thing he lied about was trying to relate to Martin Luther King's dream speech and how he's been around so long and how enlightened he's always been despite his Senator Byrd, the former Grand Wizard, being his best buddy. He said that he convinced Jesse Helms to vote for the Civil Rights Act, a famous segregationist. Well, we know it's not true. Joe Biden was 21 years old when the Civil Rights Act passed. In 1964. Now we find out the laptop wasn't really told us that, but he knew it was real. 
He says, I never had anything to do with my son's business deals. We know that's not true. Then he said he didn't know about it, and then he said he didn't have nothing to do with it. We know that's not true. So the question is, if someone can look down the barrel of a camera in a heated debate and lie to your face, what else is he lying to? How about absolutely everything? Which brings us to a two-year mark since the Afghanistan evacuation and the, and the explosion at Abbey Gate and the embarrassing way we left Afghanistan and the uh, not suited for the way we fought over there for 20 years way we exited that country that makes the fall of Saigon look like VE Day. So we find out now through a book that was written that this was really Joe Biden's move. And I still fault General Milley for not putting his stars in the ground and saying, you're going to have to deal with a guy that will not be a part of exiting a country that will humiliate our nation. Here are my four stars. And then the president might have not done it. But instead, he sucked it up and he said, I would not leave the Bagram uh, base. Well, I need everybody out. He goes, well, if you're going to do that, then I got to pull all my guys out. And next thing you know, we're stuffed with a handful of military our allies and Americans on the ground, and an advancing Taliban. We find out from this guy, Franklin Foyer, and I hope to get him on. He just wrote a book about to be published called The, uh, the Last Politician. He chronicles what happened. He says the commander-in-chief exhibited stubbornness despite furious criticism from the establishment figures that said, do not leave the country this way. Uh, he said he knew about foreign policy more than anyone else. He thought diplomacy was a colossal waste of time. He said that he possessed more power and knowledge about foreign policy than anyone else. They used the term swaggering faith in himself. Meanwhile, Bob Gates, who has great experience and great instincts, said Joe Biden's been wrong about every major military operation in his lifetime. And now we're experiencing that he's 100% correct. When General McKenzie had to beg him to call the the Taliban to tell them to stay out of Kabul. And the Taliban could not believe that we were not going to fight and try to keep Kabul. He said, really, you're not going to fight? He goes, no, provide the security. That was the brainstorm of McKenzie. We only want the airport because Joe Biden left him no options. Jake Sullivan slowed down the evacuation of our State Department because he didn't want to declare a panic. Next thing you know, we got a panic, and most of those guys got out, but no one else did. By by the way, we also heard that they were out drinking the night before. Well, we got to leave. Let's celebrate all the 20 years we've been here. Just inexcusable. Biden suggested when he looked around and saw the hysteria, he said either the press has lost lost their mind or I did. Mr. President, you lost your mind. As Mark Thiessen writes today in the Washington Post, the president's popularity never dipped below 50% since he was elected. It has never touched 50% since Afghanistan, which I think will prevent him from ever getting reelected. Anyone associated with our military, cares about our foreign policy and our international reputation, would never vote for Joe Biden. And now we're seeing the Mr. No Comment after Hawaii try to reinvent history and now shows interest in Hawaii and calling Governor DeSantis now that hurricane's hitting. Then he goes back on vacation again after spending a week in Lake Tahoe and before that on vacation before that. On the beach, three-day work weeks, coming back on Monday afternoon, leaving on Friday afternoon. You wanted this job your whole life and you can't do it and you have no energy to complete it. And we all know it. We'll discuss it. Uh, I have a lot to say, obviously. 
when we come back, you get a chance to contribute. one 408 7669 You can write me at BrianKillMe.com. Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, any anytime you start out a question with the name Curtis Slewa, that in itself states that it would do a disservice to me and other New Yorkers for me to even respond that. Curtis Slewa? I mean, I mean, if you go look in a dictionary for the word buffoon and tell me what picture you come up with. So, obviously, he does not like his former opponent who had the Republican nomination as a mayor. I would say Curtis Lewin knows the city, the inner workings of the city, better than anyone else I've ever met. Number one, he's just standing there going to protest for the people in the Staten Island, people in Harlem, soon to be people in West Hampton that don't want their airports and their gyms and their facilities and the Knights of Columbus buildings converted against their will. They don't communicate to it. So if you want to call him a buffoon for standing up to those people in those boroughs, go ahead. How about the kids that, and the parents that were not able to watch their kids play soccer or whatever, baseball or anything else because you put migrants there? What about the other people that are, have, have their class size doubled with illegal immigrants as of their first day of school, which is about to happen, I believe, right after Labor Day? How about that? Mr. Mayor, you a buffoon if you think that that's a problem? Meanwhile, listen to the mayor call out the governor, Democrat on Democrat. Listen, 14. But I think this issue, I think the governor's wrong. She's the governor of the state of New York. New York City is in that state. Every county in this state should be part of this. Yeah. No. In Long Island, they are not sanctuary cities. They are not sanctuary towns. They think it's a ridiculous right to shelter. We can't afford for people just to come waltzing in saying, hey, how would you like a room? How would you like three meals? Take a look at your menu. I'll do your laundry. We can't afford to do that. No country does that. Try that in Russia. Go over there to China. Go pull up in France. You think Italy's dealing with it? They do have an immigration issue. But they're not dealing with what we're dealing with. You're talking about since Joe Biden took over, roughly six million that we know of have come into this country. And the guy won't put up a wall. He won't bolster the the, the he won't bolster the uh, the Border Patrol. He has not pressured the Central and South American countries. He has not offered and 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 uh, and threatened Mexico with tariffs that they don't stop them from coming their southern border. Instead, he's doing a lot. He's making them check in in other countries, and then we fly them right into states. Diabolical. Rich Lowry, next. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think that... There can be no higher priority than what we have 
it's been clear is our highest priority. We got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. And also lift up the voices of all people who will be impacted in the way that they will be impacted. Because it spans the generations in addition to being intergenerational. I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believe that the significance of the passage of time, it is time for us to do what we have been doing, which is why we will work together and continue to work together. And then they launched. Yeah, they did. <laughs> we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are a children of the community. This has nothing to do with Kamala's gender or Kamala's race. This has everything to do with Kamala's incompetence. That's what this is about. Every American knows that if Kamala Harris becomes president, we are in serious trouble of losing our country. Right. Uh, that is a little a bit of Kamala, and it could have been a lot worse in that montage. So out comes Nikki Haley and says, I want everyone to know this. If you elect Joe Biden, you're electing Kamala Harris. There's no way Joe Biden lasts, for whatever reason, another term. I'm not sure he's going to last this term. But because he says that, the Atlantic's Jamil Hill, yeah, Jamil, uh, Jamil Hill writes that it's racist for Nikki Haley to say that. Just like Harry Reid says it's racist to criticize Barack Obama. Just like even Jimmy Carter said Republicans critical of Obamacare are showing that they're racist. He should know better growing up in the South. Rich Lowry knows better. He wrote a column about this, editor of National Review. Hey, Rich, we get get ready for it. If you don't like Kamala Harris as a politician, if you think she's a terrible leader, you're a racist. Yeah, no, absolutely. Those clips, I mean, they, they give you a headache. I mean, you, you can you can take one, one or two of them, and, and then it's just, just it's really hard to comprehend. <laughs> but uh, look, she she has a, probably the highest chance of Joe Biden wins re-election, the highest chance of any sitting vice president since Harry Truman to become president of the United States. Now, FDR was really ailing in 1944. There's no sign that Biden's health is that bad, but we can all see what's happening to him. And the idea that he's going to be president of the United States, his extremely demanding job until age 86, is crazy. It's crazy. So to, to put this topic uh, off limits because it's racist or sexist is preposterous. It's, it's a totally legitimate issue. She's a heartbeat away from the presidency, and that's where Joe Biden put her. So let's talk about that choice, and let's talk about the possibility. That's another great choice that he made. You know, people around Bush 41, they say your first big decision was Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle maybe got a raw deal, but people thought, well, that was a bad decision. Uh, one of the I thought great things that Bush 43 did is go get experience mm-hmm. with Dick Cheney, not because he was a white male, but because he was the best choice. And Colin Powell was the best choice as secretary of state. So you have this guy say, I want a woman and a, a minority, a guy with 50 years of political experience, a person one step away, heartbeat away from the White House. And he makes this ridiculous decision. Think about it, Rich. It's not a mystery. This is a woman who had a great opening day speech, got a ton yep. of money, and as soon as she sat down for an interview, you realize she was a she was an inch deep. She know yep. nothing about anything. She doesn't study. She's terrible to work for. Can't hold a staff. But yep. you are a racist to bring it up, and are Democrats racist to try to replace her? Yeah. So the the answer to the last question is yes, at least according to to Democrats' own logic. So I think if Joe Biden stepped aside now, she she'd get challengers. But I think it'd be really hard for the party, given its identity politics premises, to reject her. But at the same time, they all know that she's a potential electoral poison. You look at her approval numbers, and they're they're 
in the toilet at the level you would have expected. She suffered some major scandal, or she she's been associated with some deeply unpopular policy, you know, like Hillary Care for Hillary Clinton or something like that. But none of that's been true. It's just that people don't like her because she's so uh, off-putting and obviously unsuited for this for this big role, and that seems unlikely to change. Yeah. So let, let's talk about what's happening with Joe Biden. Uh, you know, this book that comes out, some excerpts have been revealed that shows that Joe Biden gets in on Monday and he says how exhausted he is. We know too. We just see it. You see in Lake Tahoe where he's staying for a week, he comes back, he comes Monday at noon, he leaves Friday at noon, he's on the beach, he doesn't do any work, he doesn't give any interviews, he is not up for the job. You see how he's walking, you see how he's acting, you see his no comment about Hawaii. So listen to this, having said that, listen to suddenly other networks are realizing Joe Biden's old and shot. Listen to Jake Tapper talk to the press secretary, cut 30. Is the White House worried that questions about President Biden's stamina could ultimately impact whether or not voters will be able to support him for a second term? His record stands alone, something that we all are proud of on all of the historic amount of pieces of legislation. But I'm talking about his age and his stamina and his ability to do the job. And you're talking about the record. And I understand why you'd rather talk about the record. But I'm talking about what Americans see when they turn on the TV and they see... You know, Joe Biden's been in politics since before, literally since okay. before you were born. Okay. And like that, he's he's right. well, well, aged. So, which would you, I mean, you, with, this is the conversation we're having every day. It's not mean. <laughs> I don't think Bernie Sanders can. Bernie Sanders would be a disaster for the country, but it's not because he's old. Yeah. Yeah. Biden has clearly slowed down and is in decline and everyone can see it. And it's one of these things that it doesn't really matter whether the media covers it or not. It doesn't really matter whether late night comics make jokes about it. They they don't, except for for uh, for Greg Gutfeld, because uh, people can see it. And and everyone knows what a walk like that means. You know, they've seen it with their with their parents or, or their their grandparents. It, it means, you know, someone's just they're, they're not the same. And you got to hold your breath all the time every time they walk over a, a carpet, you know, because the, the corner might be turned up. So you know, there are very few things we agree on in this country, but 77 percent of people think that he's too old to serve a second term, including 69 percent. Of Democrats, this might be, you know, besides um, baseball, apple pie, uh, this might be the, the, the thing that we have the most consensus about in this country. So you look at it, you have uh, uh, Pritzker, of uh, the governor of Illinois, he's a surrogate. He's going to be campaigning for him right now. I think that uh, Shapiro, Governor Shapiro, is going to be campaigning for him. Uh, you have Gavin Newsom campaigning for him. You have uh, Whitmer said, I'll campaign for him. So he doesn't really have to campaign. He could right. say, I'm running the country and all the next generation are out there supporting Joe Biden. Do you think at some point, Rich, with all your years of experience, they're also saying, if this changes, I'm, am I ready to go in the primary and compete for this nomination? Yeah. I mean, it's not even subtle, right, with Gavin Newsom, right? I mean, he's oh, clearly no. hovering. I hope, I hope nothing happens to you, sir. But, you know, if it does, I'm right here. So he's offering himself up. You know, the, just the problem they would have, going back to Kamala, is really is the Democratic Party going to nominate this Ken Doll of a guy, Gavin Newsom, over this uh, supposedly historic African-American um, 
first vice president and first potential president of the United States. It's just it's just hard to see. But you know, there, there's these whisper conversations in the Democratic Party. They'll all say he's robust and fine, and look at his record and how much he's been able to accomplish. And then when the camera's off, they'll they'll all say, "Oh my God, you know, I hope he makes it." So he's 40 percent approval rating, roughly. Uh, when it comes to the economy, which is everyone's priority, it's 36 percent. You have consumer prices up 16 percent, gas up 61 percent, homes up 11 percent, debt up 33 percent. Purchasing power for the average family lost $7,000. What I think is worse, and that's bad, is what he's done at the border. 1.8 million illegals that we know of have gotten through, and 2.3 last year, 1.7 his first year. And his actions, let's go sell off the fence before legislation forces me to put it up. Now, this to me is the biggest disaster in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Is it for you? Yeah, it's 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 huge. I know whether biggest, you know, there have been some disasters, but it's the most deliberate. I mean, I, I thought it would be totally unsustainable. You know, you'd have some, some months of, the, of of this level when he first got in, and then there'd be political blowback, and, and he'd have to reverse course, but he hasn't. You know, they fooled around with the numbers a little bit by kind of laundering some people through – uh, n- newly formulated legal means to get in, but the numbers are just massive, and it's basically because they don't believe that we have the right to turn away any asylum seekers, no matter how bogus they are. Um, so this is just this is just continued, and the pain is being felt all around the country. You know, and Eric Adams blames Greg Abbott. At least he has uh, a lot of the time. But even if Greg Abbott never never sent a bus to New York, there'd be massive amounts of um, illegal immigrants in New York. And it just, it strains communities. You gotta house these people, you gotta deal with their medical care, you gotta educate their kids, and all that costs money. So uh, I also think we're two years since the disaster at Abbey Gate, two years since we left Afghanistan, two years for the Taliban to celebrate that they won this war. But yet we fought valiantly. We adapted and shaped the battlefield. We had a surge that worked. We gave people 20 years to build up uh, women's rights, a sense of community elections as imperfect as it was. We were doing something other nations didn't, allowing this country to rule itself. We made mistakes, no question, but the way we left is the biggest disaster in my lifetime, to use that again. Other people that are not over it, anyone that served there, they are not. They are now telling their yep. kids, don't go back in the military. Yep. That is everything to do with the recruiting and problem. And yesterday, some of the families of those who lost loved ones with the explosion, who really believe that we could have taken this guy out because we had him identified on the perimeter before he became a suicide bomber. Here's our Herman Lopez. Um, he responds to Mark Milley saying, I'm going to be more transparent and let the, let the families know more details. And uh, here's what he said. Cut 22. In his note, General Milley mentions that he apologizes for any lack of information provided during these briefings that we all had in our homes. The issue is not the briefing. The issue is not the lack of information during those briefings. It is the disregard of intelligence. It is the disregard of planning. That's what you should be apologizing for. And the other families got extremely emotional, but we all paid the price for that. You could argue, and I, Rich, you maybe want to, that uh, Ukraine is not invaded by Russia if we don't show everybody our weakness in, in Afghanistan. Cert- certainly a factor. And just th- these families, it's, it's absolutely gut-wrenching. And th- they're, they're going to get no satisfaction. There, there is no satisfaction to be had. I mean, the one thing, though, is at least in sheer political terms, that uh, that that pullout is when everyone started to look at Joe Biden 
differently. His approval rating hasn't re- recovered. It, it took a jag down right after that. But you know, prior to that, it's like I, I'm the steady hand. I'm the competent guy, and and that just uh, totally went away with the with the Afghan withdrawal, which is another you know a deliberate disaster. You know, a disaster with with a forethought. You know, he was he was warned. Obviously, if you just pull pull out the rug from the Afghan military with no air support, with no ability even to repair their air assets, it's not going to go well. And it didn't go well. And look, that that society did not cohere in a way that uh, Ukraine has under under military pressure, but uh, we did them no favors. And we left all our equipment there. They heard him say al-Qaeda was gone from Afghanistan, when in fact they are still there. They're embedded with the Taliban. We heard him say none of the military advisors recommended he leave a residual force when they all under oath, mm-hmm. top military advisors, said that they advised him differently than he did. They heard him say it's Donald Trump's fault, claiming he was boxed in with the withdrawal, yet the Taliban had violated the Doha agreement. So that would have given you enough. And plus, since when do you worry about anything Donald Trump did except to reverse it from the XL pipeline to the Paris Climate Accord to the Iran nuclear deal? Everything that he did was the opposite of Trump just because Trump did it, except for this. Yep. No, absolutely, and uh, you know it's a twenty-year effort, and it's a—it's one of the reasons, you know, that that the Iraq War didn't go well, that this ended so badly, that people are just so sour on the state of the country and have little faith in in, um, in our in our institutions and, and look around everywhere and, and see, seem to see a confirmation of that every single day. Iowa right now, the polls show Trump with forty-four, DeSantis eighteen, Haley ten, Vivek seven, and with Scott, New Hampshire. Trump with 48, uh, 11 DeSantis, 9 for Haley and Scott, and Christie's got 5. Your thoughts about where we're at, knowing the president's looking at four separate hearings that could take place this year, knowing that he also raised $9 million uh, since the mugshot's been released. Yeah, so it's not a competitive race nationally. It is competitive, although he's, he's in a strong position there as well in Iowa. And, you know, the one way to look at DeSantis is nationally he's done nothing but sink. I mean, he, literally, he's done nothing but sink in the polls. But then you look at Iowa, and he's still quite popular in Iowa, according to some polls, more favorable views of him than, than Donald Trump. And he has a broad swath of the Republican electorate considering him. So that's it's salvageable, uh, I, I think. Um, but, you know, it all comes down to Iowa. If Trump wins Iowa, it's, it's probably all over. If he loses Iowa, then, then it could shake things up and we could be looking at a different dynamic. And Iowa tends to break late. We went Huckabee won it in, in 08. He started to surge in November when Santorum won it in 12, started to surge not until late December. So things can happen there. You know, I don't discount a Nikki Haley. Uh, I don't discount a Vivek. Uh, Tim, Tim Scott, you know, that was a terrible debate for him, but uh, maybe he can turn things around in, in September. But things could happen there. That's where it looks like this is a, a competitive race, at least the national nationally just it looks like a, a Biden uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. race. The numbers are almost the same. Yeah, it's just amazing. I think uh, the majority of the Republican Party thinks these cases are politically driven. Mm-hmm. So that let's see what the majority we, we do see him up by one or two points on Biden of late on these national polls shows you roughly where we're at as a country. Uh, Rich, great column. Uh, there's a lot Thanks to write about. Good choice, because Kamala is going to be front and center soon, I believe. Rich Lowry, thank you. All right. All the best. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. The latest on the hurricane that's slamming Florida right now. And also, I'll be able to take your calls going through some of your emails now. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides. 
all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Why are they doing this? I mean, what is so essential about letting in 7 to 8 million people without audit or background checks and destroying the border and immigration laws we, we showed? We know that 100,000 Americans are dying. We know that the cartels are in American soil. You pointed out tonight about the terrorist threat. We know that we're denying entry for legal immigrants that have to wait in line. We know that these illegal aliens send back $60 billion to Mexico, and it hurts our economy because there, a lot of them are being subsidized by the government to free up that cash. Uh, that is Victor Davis Hanson of The Big Picture. No one says it better. Ever since Charles Krauthammer died, I think he might be the only one with this type of insight and depth, along with this knowledge of military and, and history, political history. Uh, Alex over in California. Hey, Alex. I thank you for taking my call. I do not blame Biden or any other politician for the presence of illegal aliens. I blame the voting blocks, which use their electoral might to support open borders. And one such voting block would be the members of the Episcopal Church. There's 1.9 million of them. And the official position of the church is that anybody who wants to come to the United States should be let in. And those 1.9 million voters. When was this? I have not read that anywhere. Uh, You mean the Episcopal Church? Yes. Yes, it's their official position. In fact, my local church started a petition drive against Biden when he tried to uh, reinstitute part of Trump's uh, Remain in Mexico policy because the church wants that border to be open. They feel it is the obligation. I'll I'll look into that. that. Hey, Alex, I did not know that, but I know this. Catholic Charities, they're supplying, they're taking government money and supplying aid and and, uh, accommodations to all the illegal immigrants. That is a magnet. You could help Mr. or Mrs. Johnson, but if you help them, just know you're going to get their whole neighborhood. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Proud to be with you from Midtown Manhattan, where it's just begun to pour. Everyone just starts sprinting into the building when I realize there's no time cards and no one really has to be exactly in at the top of the hour. I realize it must be a weather event, but always uh, it is better to be here right now than to be in Florida where they're being slammed by a hurricane. So we'll bring you the latest on that. But uh, right now, the people of Florida, the one thing good about a catastrophe that hits them Uh, They're ready for it. They've been through the drill. They have the resources. They got great leadership. Even Democrats admit that. And they know how to do this. So we'll see the challenges that come their way and we'll report it. We got a whole weather channel covering it. Liz Peak at the bottom of the hour. President's got 36 percent approval rating on the economy. Uh, She's a Fox News contributor and columnist focusing on the economy. Josh Rogan standing by, author of Chaos Under Heaven, uh, esteemed Washington Post columnist and a good friend of the show. So before we get to Josh, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military. 
Mark Schmitz, obviously still angry with the loss of his son on uh, at Abbey Gate, trying to get everybody out of Afghanistan. We will not forget how Joe Biden uh, got us out of Afghanistan. A book, a new book reveals it was almost solely his decision, even though he blames advisors and Donald Trump. We'll discuss it. Number two. I need the, both houses to come up with a real immigration reform package. New York City has run out of room. Any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. Right. Uh, if he's called a sanctuary city and everyone that comes gets a chance to shelter, why do you think that you're not going to be overrun with Four million illegal immigrants. Right now, we've had about 100,000, 60,000 remain. But the, the, the mayor is now blaming the Democratic governor. And both the mayor and governor are blaming the federal government, who are blaming the mayor and governor back. Amazing. Number one. Those are private email addresses. Remember Hillary Clinton? How many of those did Joe Biden willingly send over to the National Archives? But how many didn't get sent back over in the end? Uh, very true. Kimberly Strassel of the Wall Street Journal. Walls fall down around Joe Biden's shady family business, in my view, as 5,000 plus emails discovered in the National Archives. They took over a year for them to discover them with the president's pseudo names, pseudo email names, some of which were CC to Hunter in regarding international business. Why would that be? We'll discuss that, but put it on hold for a second. The number one threat to America right now is China. And it's my belief, too, by making sure the Russians lose in China is the best way. Excuse me. uh, The Russians lose in Ukraine is the best way for China uh, to lose as well. Uh, Josh Rogan knows this area well, has always had a passion for it and a frustration where politicians and business people don't seem to see the urgency to understand who China actually is. Josh knows who they are. Josh, welcome back. Uh, great to be back with you, Brian. Uh, sir, for, uh, so far, Josh, for the first time since we spoke, I'm looking at economic numbers coming out of China, and I see that they have unemployment about 20% among young people. I see a GDP not growing at 8%, more like 2 or 3%. I see these, uh, uh, I see people, uh, the Chinese people, refusing to spend money because they've lost total faith in the economy and their government. Yet people say if those, in fact, are true, China is now more dangerous. Do you agree? Well, yes, but, you know, not because these economic troubles in China are new. They're not. The Chinese economy has been suffering these structural things for years. What's new is that Xi Jinping doesn't seem to want to do anything about it. And all of a sudden, the chattering class in Washington and the investing class in New York have sort of realized that he doesn't care what they think. And, you know, they're going to have 5% growth this year, which is like pretty good objectively, but it didn't meet the Wall Street expectations so the analysts wanted to do things that you would do if you really cared about growing the economy most which would be like reinflating the real estate bubble cutting rates or whatever it is and he doesn't he's not gonna do any of that stuff and what that tells us is that he sure china wants a good economy but xi jinping wants power more he wants control more he wants to crack down on foreign businesses he wants to limit economic data he's taking china in what i call the great leap backwards he cares about security and his own legacy as a emperor, not on whether or not Wall Street analysts are happy. And that's what's freaking people out. And uh, guess what? That's not going to change. And, you know, this sort of speaks to your original setup, which is like, oh, well, why can't we just break off Russia from China? Why can't we do a a reverse Nixon, which is like an old idea that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy re-brought up now that he's running for president. He's like, oh, let's just make friends with Russia and and then they'll turn on China. But that's not going to happen because 
those two are thick as thieves. And because they're the same, they're both ter- t- uh, totalitarian, mass murdering dictators. And they're united by their shared hatred of us. And so we need to get that through our noggins. This is not 1972. It's 2023. And China and Russia are a pair. And they mean us harm. And by defeat, if Ukraine is able to defeat Russia and push them back out of their country, how does that reflect on China? Well, it gives them the green – if Ukraine loses, then Xi Jinping has no other choice but to conclude that we as the rest of the world don't have the stuff. We don't have the, the wherewithal. We don't have the commitment. We don't care enough to defend these small countries when they get attacked by these big dictatorships. Of course, it's a green light for him to invade Taiwan. Now, that's not to say that there aren't legitimate questions about the aid. That's not to say that we shouldn't be honest about what's going on in Ukraine and the really how it's grinding into a stalemate. These are important things that in any democracy we should freely debate, especially in our politics. However, if you're going to tell me that giving half of Ukraine to Russia is going to help Taiwan, I have to call BS on that. Of course. And secondly, if, yeah. you're, if you're going to tell me that you know, that somehow Russia is going to be enticed to break with China, if we give them half of Ukraine, I have to call BS on that too because those things aren't true. And when we tell the American people that we're lying to them, then we have to stop doing that. Right. It's one of the stupidest things, and he's too smart for that. But Vivek Ramaswamy. Right, he must know better. Yeah, I, I, you would think. He goes to Harvard. He's 37 years old, self-made, uh, very close to a billionaire. I just think he's too smart to understand if he if he gets a newspaper delivered to his house and reads it, uh, th- he know that would never be effective. So, What did, what did he say on, on, on Hannity last night? He said, that he's going to end the one-China policy for four years until we get semiconductor independence, and then he's going to put it back. He's going to go back to the old, fragile status quo that he destroyed. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. But he's just so good at delivering these lines. You kind of, by the time you say it, you're going like, oh, well, that was really smart. But if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. But I would say this, uh, and my point was this with China. You know, they've had this bolstering economy. They're bursting at the seams. They're looking for more opportunities. They're investing in other countries. Now, if you look at their numbers, uh, I know they don't care about their people, but they can't be – they don't have the power in their economy. Could they be looking for a distraction, and could Taiwan be that distraction? We're going to go take that country. Uh, we're going to go take over Taiwan and finally bring it into our orbit. And does that allow people to no longer look at their economic situation and focus on and it, uh, the common enemy, which would be, I guess, ridiculously, Taiwan and America. Right. Yeah, no, there's two theories about this. One is sort of like, okay, well, if Xi Jinping has trouble at home, then he has got to focus on home, and he's not going to piss off the entire international community and bring down sanctions when he's got this fragile economy. That's like the optimistic way of viewing it. The pessimistic way of viewing it is exactly what you said, Brian, which is that, oh, my God, if he's willing to suffer this bad economy, he must be preparing for something. And why are they hoarding food and why are they hoarding energy and why are they hoarding uh, all these commodities and for the first time ever really building up their military, building a thousand new nuclear weapons? Why? Why are they doing all that? It's the largest military expansion in human history, according to our military leaders, and it's probably not for nothing. So I tend to be a pessimist in, in, in journalism that's proven over the last 20 years to be more often than not the right way to think about it. And But in the end, we have to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. And we can't trust Xi Jinping to not attack Taiwan, whether the economy is good or bad. Uh, of course, Josh Rogan, our guest, 
Here's what, but yet we've sent our Secretary of State over despite sending a spy balloon over here. Then we sent John Kerry over. Then we sent our Treasury Secretary over, who they fed, uh, who they put mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms in her tea. Unbelievable. (laughs) And then Gina Raimondo went over, is over this week. Here's what she said. We hope to reduce misunderstandings of U.S. national security policies. Uh, The United States is committed to being transparent about our export control enforcement strategy. I want to be clear, we are not compromising or negotiating in matters of national security, period. Yeah, but if... Uh, what is your thought about us sending four officials over there with them not being uh, reciprocal? I mean, first of all, you, it's just bizarre to hear, like, top U.S. officials to say, we're going over there. We're not going to talk about anything. We're not going to get anything. We're not even going to negotiate on anything. We're just going to go there. And mission accomplished. And uh, well done us. You know what I mean? That's that's where we are. You know, Gina Raimondo, is, she wants to be president. She wants to go to China to bolster her bono bona fides on foreign policy. She's got to be tough, right? She's got to be a hawk. But at the same time, she's got to please the business community. So she talks out of both sides of her mouth. She's like, oh, well, we've got to get back to business, but we're not going to compromise on anything. And so it's a big sort of waste of everyone's time. But the Chinese love this, okay, because they want us to waste our time. They want to tap us along, the Chinese Communist Party, while we ignore everything that they're doing and sort of that, so that's great for them. So they're going to set up some dialogues, and they're going to set a meeting for a year from now, and they're going to continue their economic aggression pace. And so that's 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 kind of how stupid we are. We think that meetings are some sort of big accomplishment. And the Chinese think that meetings are uh, great because it stops us from doing anything to stop them. And that you know that's just uh, the, the 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 deep failure of our understanding of what we need to do to confront this growing threat. And we've got to do a massive military buildup, and I think people should understand that. It's not to fight, it's to avoid fighting. If we show weakness, we're almost guaranteed a conflict. So I want you to hear, uh, so you heard with Gino Romano, I know where you stand on that. Mike Gallagher uh, almost sounds like you, Josh. He sees them as a threat. He's relatively hardened that on his bipartisan select committee on China, he sees a lot of Democrats who feel the same way. Here's what he said last night, cut 36. There's two things going on in the Biden administration. One, they believe that the preeminent national security threat is not China, it's climate change. We delay key defensive action. We make preemptive concessions just to get to the negotiating <laughs> it's table. Such a joke. And meanwhile, China doesn't make any concessions. They don't do anything yeah. meaningful to stop fentanyl flows. They continue their cyber warfare against us. It's, it sends a signal of weakness. And he, is he wrong? No, I think he's spot on. I think that, you know, the the Biden administration talks a, a big game, but when it comes down to it, uh, what we've seen is them sort of pull back on all of these tough on China actions uh, because they don't they, they Joe Biden wants to meet with Xi Jinping in November. He thinks that this is the way that we're going to avoid the Cold War. Uh, but we're already in the Cold War. It's already started. There's no avoiding it. We might as well compete and try to win the thing, you know. And so, you know, one of the things that I think Gallagher and his committee have done really well is, the, is they brought Wall Street into this conversation. You and I have been talking about this on your show for years. But in Congress, I've never seen before 20 Democrats and 20 Republicans come together to be like, hey, wait a second. Should we be investing all of our pensions and our 401ks and all of our uh, in Wall Street money into the Chinese companies that are building the concentration camps and the missiles that are pointed at us and the cameras that sit atop the concentration camp walls? Isn't that crazy? Why are we doing that? And it took sort of like Gallagher and uh, his Democratic colleagues, actually, to come together to be like, oh, this is not 
something that we can ignore. So there's a lot of part, you know, military buildup, sure, but this is an economic, technological, and ideological competition also. And uh, those are the, the fields of battle that we're really not president. Uh, if, I, uh, if I can, can we pivot back to the Ukraine war? Uh, the fact is we are supporting it, and we do have another $200 million worth of weaponry going over. But uh, we seem to fall short when it comes to giving them what they need to be successful. And, you know, I've had two admirals, uh, Breedlove as well as Starvita, said, why are we not escorting those grain ships out? Why did we give up the Black Sea? Then I have Lindsey Graham say what they want is uh, they want the the mining equipment, which is not expensive, and we're not using it. Why are we not giving some of this stuff that's been around since the 50s to demine these land? Instead, the Ukrainians are out there with hand shovels in the middle of the night. And number three, on the F-15s, F-16s, Norway, Sweden are giving them up. Denmark are giving them over, which is, okay, that's your decision. We still have not trained one. We are still writing the syllabus to train pilots who are pilots. And why is that? We're expecting to fight a land war without any air cover. I don't know if that's been successful since the Romans. Right. I mean, you're pointing out two really important, but I think two separate things here, Brian. The first is that, uh, we have all this old military kit just sitting around. We we I bought know. it, we built it, we put it in a bunch of warehouses, mostly around Europe, and it's just been sitting there for 50 years. Why did we build it? Uh, to stop Russian aggression, okay, to, to fight the Russians if they decided to start a war. Well, they started the war, and we won't give them the stuff that we built for this purpose. Why? We're not using it. It's going to ride away anyway. And that's crazy. That's just crazy. And I think the explanation is sort of gets to the second point that you're getting at, which is like the Biden administration has always been half pregnant on this thing. OK, uh, this is comes back from sort of the Obama time where they're like, oh, we've got to sort of, you know, give them just enough to tie, but not to win. And that's how we got into this mess in the first place. And that actually prolongs the war rather than shortening it. And that feeds the skepticism. So when people like Vivek Ramaswamy say, oh, well, the, you know, we've got to stop this aid to Ukraine. It's going to go on forever. We're going to start a forever war. Well, that's a soup that the that the that the that is a, the Biden administration's own recipe, because if they had given them the planes a year ago, we wouldn't be in this situation. So this is what I call a Goldilocks approach. That's a not too hot, not too cold and it's just right in the middle, and that makes them feel sort of comfortable. But uh, actually, it's producing the worst outcome and feeding all the skeptics and aiding Putin, and that's a damn shame. And, Josh, it takes people like you, General Keene, uh, Stavridis, and others to explain this war. The administration doesn't. They don't give the American you, people the courtesy. Yeah, thank you. They gives you, the people, the courtesy of saying this is why it matters. Instead, people are out there going, do you want me to explain this to you? At the same time, we have people running for office who are saying, I want to avoid this, which is a disaster for American foreign policy, I believe, Josh. Um, Thanks so much. Appreciate your insight. We'll keep at it. Thank you, sir. All right. 1-866-408-7669. Liz Peek at the bottom of the hour. You're next. So glad you're here. It's a busy Wednesday. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Here we go. Uh, Liz Peak's coming up shortly, uh, and we got some time here. I just want to go over a couple of things. Uh, it's a lot to go over, but I want to just lay the groundwork. Yesterday, the Daily Mail brought something up 
I find fascinating. They have gotten a story and gotten a hold of emails, not only that shows that state, former State Department spokesperson, official, I should say, Victoria Newland, was praising Victor Shokin. And then we find out emails reveal that Devin Archer and Hunter Biden were maneuvering with a law firm in America headed up by David Boyce to help the CEO of Burisma keep his job and fend off the prosecutor's office and an investigation that was taking place before and through when David Shokin, excuse me, when Victor Shokin was the prosecutor. He was indeed going after Burisma. And when you need help and you have Devin Archer and Hunter Biden on a board with no energy experience, the only thing they bring to the table is power within Washington, D.C., And using the terms D.C. help, it turns out that the sitting vice president fired the prosecutor, claiming he was corrupt and it was good for Ukraine. Or was it really good for Burisma and Hunter Biden? Don't tell me that's not leading you to the same conclusion. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Is the White House worried that questions about President Biden's stamina could ultimately impact whether or not voters will be able to support him for a second term? His record stands alone, something that we all are proud of on all of the historic amount of pieces of legislation. But I'm talking about his age and his stamina and his ability to do the job, and you're talking about... The record. And I understand why you'd rather talk about the record, but I'm talking about what Americans see when they turn on the TV and they see, you know, Joe Biden's been in politics since before, literally since before you were born. And like he's he's aged. And Jake Tapper suddenly got a color television and was been watching additional footage and realizes Joe Biden is older and older than his years. Failing on a daily basis. I know somebody that he's known for 30 years. He's calling him by the wrong name. Uh, There's a book that's coming out now that says that he oftentimes says he's just so exhausted after doing his job. And he's barely doing his job. I mean, we know that he leaves Friday afternoon, comes back Monday afternoon. We know he's going on another vacation after coming off a vacation. Liz Peak joins us now, Fox and contributor columnist for the FoxNews.com. Uh, Liz, why is CNN suddenly realizing that Joe Biden's old? Well, look, I I mean, I think it is sort of universally acknowledged that Joe Biden is in a pretty steady decline. They certainly covered that up and pretended otherwise in the lead up to the 2020 election because they were absolutely going to be horrified if Donald Trump won another four years. But now they really have to confront reality. And I do think that Democrats pretty much across the board, well, we know this, right, 69 percent of it or whatever, uh, want Joe Biden to step aside. And, you know, maybe they just feel that the rising tide of such uh, encouragements to get out of the race will have some impact. But, Brian, you you know, we all this book that's coming out talks about his arrogance and stubbornness having led to the catastrophic withdrawal uh, from Afghanistan. I I think that's probably totally true. And it is that same arrogance and stubbornness that means he probably won't get out of the race. Look, Republicans want a lot of Republicans, not certainly all, want to get Donald Trump out of the race. These people don't necessarily hark to their (laughs) their core constituents or voters 
they do what they want to do. And Joe Biden, look, I think there's also the element here that uh, Joe Biden can pardon Hunter Biden if he gets accused and convicted of some crime. Joe Biden can pardon himself. That's something we talk about with Donald Trump some of the time. Were he to be convicted of a crime, guess what? If Joe Biden is, he can pardon himself. So there are a lot of reasons maybe that Joe is clinging to, <laughs> clinging to this thin uh, position that he has. But, you know, I think he could lose. And I think Democrats uh, increasingly are worried that even against Donald Trump, who is carrying a lot of negative baggage, uh, Joe Biden could lose. Well, I mean, they're in a dead heat or, or Trump's up one and seems real clear political averages. But we all know it's going to be Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin um, and um, and uh, Arizona and Georgia that are going to decide this thing. But you also see this three and four Republicans say the FBI and Justice Department are trying to undermine Trump and the election. And what happens is I've noticed it maybe in your life, you're noticing it, too. The anti-Trumpers, I've had it with them at the midterm elections. We're done with him. we got so much talent. Let's move on. They are so angered by these series of court cases that are coming yeah. up right before and in the middle of the election, two and a half years later after the incidents in New York. You're talking about 10 years ago, and they just yeah. see pure politics. It's changing minds to help Trump. I, I agree with you 100 percent. It's double-barreled, right? The Justice Department has been— weaponized, that's an overworked word, but it really has been weaponized to get Trump out of the race by just blanketing his life and completely messing him up with all these indictments. And I've gone through, I'm sure you have too, every single one of these four uh, cases that have been brought against Donald Trump. Each one is flimsy. Each one uses sort of a novel or historically rare uh, approach to charging the pres former president with a, a crime. And and also the way they've been brought, the fact that they're – it's ridiculous. They're actually going to land these things all in the middle of primary season. It's preposterous, Brian. Everybody knows it. So I am furious about that. I Donald Trump, and I have said it publicly a number of times, is not my first choice for GOP candidate because I don't know that he can win. I think there's so many people in the country who really dislike this man that I think it's very hard to overcome that. But I'm in that camp. I'm furious about this. And at the same, high, same time, the Department of Justice is obstructing and blocking any kind of investigation into Joe Biden. And I got to tell you, I give James Comer and the Republicans involved in this ferreting out of information about Ukraine, about Joe Biden, about Hunter Biden's uh, business dealings, I give them a lot of credit. It is not easy because every request, this FOIA request of the National Archives, I think they started that two years ago. The National Archives- June of 2022. June of yeah, 2022. I mean, well, I think there were even earlier requests for information. And, that, and so at least, it's been at least a year plus. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And all the stuff we've learned about uh, warnings being given to Hunter Biden's lawyers before a storage locker was to be searched. And, uh, you know, and by the way, where is the special counsel is supposed to be looking into Biden's documents? Doesn't anybody care about that? Jack Smith rallied around and in a speedy Gonzalez way came up with a, uh, uh, indictments like overnight. What about the guy that's, uh, that's supposed to be looking into, to, uh, Joe Biden's documents. I mean, I, I think it's outrageous. And I got to tell you, I, to echo what you're saying, I know a lot of moderate Republicans who are furious about this. They cannot believe 
that our right. president is undermining democracy, and that is what he is doing. So, Liz Peake, he had uh, three aliases, 5,400 emails yeah. under those aliases. Yeah. National Archives considered it for a year. They're finally going to uh, release it. We think eventually we know a handful are cc'd to Hunter Biden regarding international business in Turkey and this place called Ukraine. Wow, really? Why would you cc your son as vice president about Turkey and Ukraine? My goodness, yeah. this is official government business. And what they're also seeing is them pretending that timing doesn't matter. I'll give you an example. My best analogy would be there's people that rob your house. You walk in and it's empty. You don't know who did it. Then there's other people walk in your house while you're home. They don't even hide from the cameras. They steal your stuff and they dare you to complain. By them having these judges put this court date right before Super Tuesday, say, I don't care about the politics, be there. And then they have them all lined up during the primaries and they yeah. stop right before the RNC. And then they want to see a damaged candidate get the nomination and, and just hobble to the finish line while their candidate goes back to doing nothing because his opponent is caught up in cases. And in their cases, they're going to send surrogates out. So John Eastman, by the way, so John Eastman and others are asking for an early court date on the ridiculous Georgia charges. They want to charge all 19 at once. So John Eastman, you've got to be kidding me. I'm innocent. Mark Meadows says move it to a federal court. Uh, they've already ha- uh, hacked off Cheeseboro. I think it's Keith Cheeseboro. And they say he's going to go in October. Now they say, no, I want to try him all at once. I want him in all the court at one time. So John Eastman was on with Laura last night to describe what he was doing and why he can't wait to fight this case. Cut 33. We did nothing wrong. We were challenging the election for what even uh, Vice President Pence described as serious allegations of fraud and numerous instances of officials violating state law. And if we can't speak out about that, then our freedom of speech, our right to petition the government for redress of grievances are gone. Also importantly, I'm an attorney. And, you know, the people that I was representing had a right to counsel. And what's going on here with the bar complaints against everybody involved in any of the litigation, this Fulton County complaint, the unindicted co-conspirators in the federal action, they're trying to stifle people from being able to get representation in election challenges. They've made that very clear that that's what they're up to, and we can't allow it to happen. If disputed questions of constitutional law all of a sudden become criminal, we could throw the entire legal profession in jail. But the question is, how are you going to get a fair trial in Fulton County? Yeah. And, fair so, jury. and then what, is, what does the appeal process look, look like af- in the aftermath? I don't know. You can't get a fair trial, uh, Brian, in Washington, D.C., and that's some site of another trial coming up. Uh, so what what is the redress here? I don't know, except at the ballot box. And boy, I got to tell you, I hope every able person votes with their conscience in this election to destroy this horrible uh, man who is now, as I said, breaking all the norms. It, it is ironic that everything that Democrats have accused Donald Trump of, they have done multifold. In other words, breaking all the norms and traditions. Biden has done that in spate, destroying democracy. This is not democracy. This is banana republic stuff. And 
I, I don't know where we go from here, except try and defeat these people as as energetically as possible, which I'm doing, and I'm I know you're doing too. I'm just by doing the facts. I'm not. I'm not telling you to get, yeah. to get uh, have a catchphrase. I'm saying, look what he's done at the border. Look what he's done to the economy. He spent us to oblivion. He's doing things on this some green lark that goes against our best interests, <laughs> yeah. and doing things that are going to make us more susceptible to China, while begging yep. China to be nice to us, humiliating us, and then you factor in Afghanistan, and his numbers have never gotten over fifty percent since he embarrassed us with that uh, uh, that exit two years ago. But, Liz, my last question to you is, do you see anyone on that debate stage that would be able to or will eventually give Donald Trump a run for his money? He's up uh, by a lot in Iowa, by a lot in New Hampshire and a lot nationally and a lot in South Carolina, by the way. Yeah. I mean, as you know, his polls took a little bit of a hit after that debate. And I would argue it's simply because Republicans across the country got a look at all these people that they've been hearing about. But Trump has been sucking all the oxygen out of the room, which is exactly what the Democrats have hoped for. They absolutely want Donald Trump to be the story 24-7 so that Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or whoever doesn't really have a shot. And I got to tell you, it's working uh, because of all the legal stuff. I think it is going to continue to work. We shall see. Uh, There's going to be another debate. I hope that these uh, Republican contenders uh, who are, you know, very capable, it's a very good bench. I hope they have another opportunity to appeal to voters. But I don't really care. I just want a Republican to win this next election. And if it's Donald Trump, I will vote for him, obviously, and I'll support him uh, because we, you know, at the end of the day, we need to get rid of Joe Biden. He's going to get rid of himself soon. If you've seen him lately, it's just insane. I hope so. Uh, I do like the fact that uh, that that uh, Nikki Haley is coming out and saying, listen, it's, you're electing yeah. Kamala Harris. You're not electing yeah. Joe Biden. There's no way he lasts four more years. Well, and by the way, I think that's resonating, which is why we have uh, from the Democrats, from the White House, yet another effort to have a makeover of Kamala oh, Harris. It's sort of hilarious, it. not going anywhere, but it's necessary. All right, Liz, always great to talk to you. We'll look forward to Thank reading your you. columns on FoxNews.com and on the Hill. Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. Take care. You got it. We'll find out if there's more to know next. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Just remind you, got One Nation over the weekend on Saturday. I'll be doing the five today at five o'clock. And uh, as much as I care about the hurricane and people in the eye of the storm, I hope we don't do a solid hurricane. Uh, I need to speak about it because there's nothing to do. You just watch this natural occurrence. Uh, and those people usually listen local. That's what's the great thing about AM radio. So let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Colorado Elementary School has kicked students, 12, uh, a 12-year-old student, out of class for wearing a Don't Tread on Me Gadsden flag. As Governor Jared Polis actually slammed her claim it's linked to slavery. So the school, this Jared Polis ended up siding with the kid and the family, saying the Gadsden family, this is what he tweeted out, the Gadsden flag is a proud symbol of the American Revolution, a iconic warning to Britain or any other government not to violate the liberties of Americans. It appears on popular American medallions and challenge coins through today, and Ben Franklin also adopted to symbolize the union of the 13 colonies. But this school, an elementary school teacher, kicked this kid out because he had the flag on it. 
Uh, the Vanguard School Board of Directors to Fox and Friends to explain themselves last week said this. A student came to school with patches affixed to the backpack and a half dozen uh, patches depicting guns and weapons. Upon reviewing that, they pointed out the addition to these patches, Don't Tread on Me flag patch, also known as the Gadsden flag, needed to be removed in accordance with the Harrison School District. Vanguard Ministry consulted with the, uh, the administrators who directed the school to inform the student parents that the patch was not allowed at district schools. Well, they got rid of the other stuff. He walked in with the Gadsden flag and they still kicked him out. Go with the governor. This is why Jared Polis might be formidable. I know people say that he is not as moderate as he seems, but that is, I love that you actually side with the family. Next. Another reason not to get Vogue. They named trans cyclists the only athlete on 2025 powerhouse women's list. Uh, the wealth cyclist Emily Bridges, a trans woman, was the only sports figure on the British Vogue 25 powerhouse women. According to an outlet, the list typically honors women defining and redefining uh, redefining Britain by pushing British society forwards. Uh, Bridges 22 appeared among the list of models, authors, and members of the royal family. Uh, it's very scary at the moment, but I generally believe that we will win, she said, for Vogue's article. Uh, they will win and convince everybody that uh, being a trans, competing against other women is fair. That, to me, is absolutely terrible, and the Vogue should be ashamed of themselves. California is suing the school district for requiring teachers to notify parents if their child changes their gender. So get this. California is suing the school district because the school district decided that parents should know if their kid is going to switch genders. How backward, how ass backwards is California that they're suing to keep it a secret? Keep it a secret, a life-changing moment, literally, of that. The Attorney General says he announced the, announced the lawsuit on Monday against the Chino Valley Unified School District. That's in Southern California, alleging that his parental notification policy is discriminatory. It alleged the policy puts transgender and gender-conforming students in danger of imminent irreparable harm. Yes, by telling their parents, well, you get your son or daughter, depending on the day, is failing algebra, you can do that. Is failing gym, you can say that. But you can't say, oh, it wants to be a girl. Unbelievable. Next, a new proposal by the city council on Tuesday could make Pittsburgh a sanctuary city for gender affirming care. Amazing. And by the way, Pittsburgh might be Fox's number one, uh, number one market. Please uh, have some uh, have some couth. Understand that you're out to lunch. Next, a one-hour special honoring the late Bob Barker, set for tomorrow, August 31st. You know, he hosted The Price is Right for a lot of years. Quote, the tribute to legendary Barker will bring back great memories for generations of The Price is Right fans who love Bob, his humor, and his ability to connect with contestants. I did not know he always wanted to be an actor, but he died at 99 years old. Next, a Univision news crew was robbed at gunpoint Chicago while they were working on a series of live shots about recent armed robberies. Think about that. Uh, the crew is grateful. Their life is safe. Their their life is safe. They were not threatened. The suspect demanded money from the two men. Then went into the SUV and stole the camera. Two bags containing equipment and a backpack belonging to a photographer. That is uh, thousands of dollars of equipment. Journalists were reporting on a string of armed robberies in the area. That's how bad it is. They're robbing the people, telling the stories about people being robbed. And late night host Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, and Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, and John Oliver are teaming up for a. Limited series podcast, the money they get will go towards the writers who are out on strike and all the crews who aren't making any money. How bad is it that the late night night television shows have been in repeat and nobody cares? SNL gave up the entire season and no one questioned it. Amazing.
Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone, from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Lucas Tomlinson gives us up to date on what's happening with Hunter uh, and the closing. Uh, I guess the news that's going right around the Biden family business. And he's also going to give us an update on Afghanistan, two years since our embarrassing exit uh, that we're still paying the price for. Kennedy's here in studio. And because of that, I'm giving up on the big three. I'm not even doing it. I think you should do it, Brian. Do it. Really? It's always fun when we freestyle. We riff on it. Are you going to participate? I always part. I'm Mrs. Participation. I get a participation trophy every day when I walk in the building. Right, uh, which I, I'm against. I think it sends you the wrong message. I know. I got the letter from HR. Brian Kilmead right. wants to cease and desist. We are a we are a scripted big three. Are you willing to ride with Kennedy's antics? That's yes. Yeah, he Let's just go to the big three. Nodded. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families, and there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military. And he's talking about the president of the United States currently and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley. And that is Mark Schmitz, whose son was killed at Abbey Gate. Uh, he says, we'll not forget. Joe Biden will never recover. And his numbers have not recovered, Kennedy. No, his, his numbers are as bad as they could be, especially on the economy. But for something as personal, uh, as tragic and as ongoing as the grief these families are suffering, shame on the president for how he acted in the moment. And uh, the the two years since where he had plenty of time to correct course, he has chosen not to. And as someone who had a son who served, he should be ashamed of himself. Number two. I need the both houses to come up with a real immigration reform package. New York City has run out of room. Any plan that does not include stopping the flow at the border is a failed plan. Wow, family fight. Democrat president, Democrat mayor, Democrat governor, all blaming each other for the hundreds of thousands of illegals, six million overall that have come, and about 100,000 have come to New York City getting three meals a day, getting their clothing done, and getting menus and a place to sleep. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the worst policy, and we're all paying the price for it, and they're blaming each other about it. Number one. Those are private email addresses. Remember Hillary Clinton? How many of those did Joe Biden willingly send over to the National Archives, but how many didn't get sent back over in the end? Plus. This, that's Kimberly Strassel, the Wall Street Journal. Walls falling around Joe Biden as we find about the shady business dealings and the fact that Victor Shokin's actual, uh, proclamation last week that he was fired because he was investigating Burisma was backed up by the Daily Mail emails that were out yesterday afternoon. And plus, we still have not got the 5,400, which include his three aliases from his days as vice president over the course of eight years. Kennedy? If you're Joe Biden, are you feeling the pressure right now? I don't know that he's feeling anything. I don't even think he knows he's president. So I don't think he's aware of anything that happened in 2015 or 15 minutes ago. Right. So that gives you a sense that when he said, uh, I convinced Jesse Helms to sign off on the civil rights legislation, which was a flat out lie. He was 21 at the time. He would not have been as a senator. 
that maybe he doesn't know that he's lying? He knows he's lying because that has been a part of his personality um, since long before he ran for office. And, you know, the way he has capitalized on tragedy in his life, is it's pretty gross. But then to use all of your family members to enrich the entire organization. While denying it. Yeah. And it it actually gives President Trump a lot of cover because if people go, oh, well, President Trump was doing something shady. We can't vote for him. Oh, but we also can't vote for Joe Biden because he's tanked the economy and he's always been doing shady stuff. So whatever we thought was enviable in Joe Biden, he is just as untrustworthy as any other crooked politician. So let's go back with the guy who gave us at least a better economy. So we know that Barack Obama had no idea he was going to follow the prosecutor, fire, fire the prosecutor. Let's get to the fact that yesterday, in the Daily Mail yesterday, you see the entire email that I brought up over the weekend from Victoria Newland praising Victor Shokin, who Joe Biden fired. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about that Hunter Biden hired David Boyce's law firm to investigate ways to get rid of and show influence in Washington, D.C., to get rid of all investigations into Burisma and the CEO specifically. Excuse me. How could – and D.C. is the reference to the vice president at the time. How could you say you know nothing about his business dealings when – can I add this? 5,400 emails found at the National Archives. The same National Archives were outraged that this pres- former president took archives home – Shouldn't have. But having said that, that's why he's going to trial and could face jail time. Now we find out in there were emails on the pseudonym with Hunter CC'd with stuff about Turkey and the Ukraine. That's only in the 10 that we saw. Yes. So it, it is it is becoming impossible. There's no longer plausible deniability. He cannot deny this. All of his all of his statements contradict themselves. And at some point. You just have to realize that he has been lying. He's been lying the whole time. He knew about all of this. So how and you can't write it off as Republican outrage or, you know, it it just a strange coincidence that Hunter Biden needed this spigot to stay open in Ukraine, getting that shady money from Burisma. And his dad happens to fight and admitted to firing the prosecutor who essentially would have shut down the entire operation. So what they're saying is Victor Shokin was never interviewing Brisma. That was the problem, never investigating. Number two, they're saying that's that also I, That's also a statement that can be proven false. Now. Yes. Right. And Victor Shokin had a chance to speak over the weekend. So now John Kerry meets with Devin uh, Archer. Why would you do that? That's weird. Why would you, a friend of Hunter Biden's, get a meeting with the Secretary of State? Kind of weird. And then you have uh, the fact that this letter by the horrible Victor Shokin was revealed that Victoria Nolan wrote, the ongoing reform of your office, law enforcement, and the judiciary will enable you to investigate and, and uh, prosecute corruption and other crimes in an effective, fair, and a transparent manner. Keep up the good work, she goes on to say. So Victoria Nolan, they said everybody wanted this guy out. Who wanted him out? Now he sits there on a fixed income, uh, got poisoned twice. He says that he believes he's, someone's trying to kill him. I don't know how many people have mercury poisoning twice, uh, and he had, was uh, attempted to be poisoned a third time. It's a lot of sushi. But it's true. Is it weird and odd and yet ironic that everything that Donald Trump was pursuing in Ukraine that got him impeached ends up being correct? 
it was the way he which he did it that William Barr didn't lead it, didn't send an envoy to find out. It was investigating a political opponent for political means and Rudy Giuliani leading it. But there is a lot of there there. Yeah, there's a lot of there there with Victoria Newland as well. And I'm glad her name is coming up because she was really the architect of the horrible Ukraine policy that we had in this country. And, you know, she is one of essentially you can probably call her a deep stater who was creating this whole thing um, that was essentially the architecture for the shady Biden family business deals. And the the whole thing was set up for a few people in the government to benefit themselves. But it turned out to be very bad policy. And, and you can see that mm-hmm. bearing fruit in the war that's going on over there right now. I want you to hear what Jim Jordan broke down where they're at right now, because Victor Shokin did say he'd come to Congress or at least zoom in and go under oath and swear about what happened to Ukraine. By the way, this Barack Obama, who said, let them have blankets and MREs when they were invaded. Can you imagine if we actually armed them then? There wouldn't have been a major insurrection now. Here's cut one. December 4th, 2015, they're meeting in Dubai, and it's Hunter Biden, it's Devin Archer, it's Pizarski, the guy you just indicated, and it's Zolchevsky, the head of Burisma. They're meeting there, and they say, this pressure is so intense, we need your help. Great Britain has seized 23 million of our assets. We're getting pressure from Shokin, the prosecutor. What can you do? Five days later, well, actually, there's a phone call at that meeting where they get on the phone with someone in D.C. No one will tell us who it is. But we all we all kind of imagined who it was. And then five days later, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine and gives the speech where he talks about firing Shokin, firing the prosecutor. So this is before that. This is the run up to that. This is building the case for why they want to get uh, Shokin off their back and how they want Hunter Biden to help with that situation. Compare what we know now compared to the Russia investigation. Washington Post was getting awards for, for putting pieces to a puzzle together that never belong together. This puzzle is putting itself together and nobody's saying anything. Yeah, this is the inconvenient truth. This is what was really happening. So, you know, it, it's one thing for Joe Biden to know about Hunter's shady business deals. It's another thing entirely for Hunter Biden to be crafting U.S. policy and to be you know, pulling levers behind the scenes. Why is he doing that? Why does he have that power? We understand he has access to his dad, but using it in such a way that benefits him directly, like using the power of the government and creating U.S. policy so he makes money. Right. How How is that somehow less impeachable than what Donald Trump did, even if he didn't like the way he did it? And and there's an argument to be made for that. There's an argument to be made that, you know, you don't investigate a political he's, he's not good at the formal stuff. Right. You know, he's not good. He's not good at some of those rules. And, and that's not an excuse for him at all. But if you look below the surface, that's where the real iceberg is. And, and that's the level of corruption is massive when you look at the Biden family, Hunter's access and Joe Biden's codependency and willingness to do whatever it took to make himself look like a legitimate leader in order to keep the illegitimate mm. gains going for his son. Someone told me that maybe this is the main reason why he endorsed Hillary, who's who's despicable in her own right. We found out with this whole Russia investigation. 
and know this. He, she knew this was going on with Joe Biden. Absolutely, she knew. I mean, she and knew. Do you think that he? Do you think that Barack Obama said, "I, I can't endorse you"? As you know, after eight years. You know, he went with his former secretary of state, not his vice president. Yeah, no, no. She had the bigger set of nards here. She was the one who said, I will tank you. I've done much worse to people. You know, it's, ah, <laughs> there ah, are pen, plenty of people who shot themselves in the back of the head who I know. Right. And uh, and I I will do the same Most thing. Most people to your, I know die. Yeah. To the to your political career. Right, right. I know where the bodies are buried and yours will be next if you screw right. with me. And because I buried them. Yeah. John, uh, did I take it too far? I don't think you did because we're just having fun with words. Oh, here's John Solomon on where this is going. And Jesse brought this out the other day. Cut six. And there's another piece of this that I think is going to become more and more important. Hunter Biden's appearances on Air Force Two. He's traveling around the country while he's also getting this information. He uses some of that travel like Beijing to score his deals. Why is he on Air Force Two? Why is he getting uh, government emails sent through his father's thing? Why is his business uh, partners getting to meet with Joe Biden at a swanky restaurant? These are why the, the uh, Biden scandal has gotten so much more serious in the last few months. I was listening to the Washington Post columnist that the last man to not believe that Joe Biden was up to anything or knew anything. They say, so the, the podcast host said, why was he calling in 20 times in 10 years that Devin Archer witnessed? He said, they talked every day. He doesn't know if he's in a business meeting or not. He just wanted to say hello. That's pretty dumb. Don't just say hello. Send a text. Have someone else call. You don't pick up the phone in the middle of a business yeah, meeting. Yeah, have, have your assistant call. The, and they and when he does pick up, they just talked about the weather. Sure. Right. Yeah. How do you how, know that? How do you work at the Washington Post and, and come up with that conclusion? Yeah. Well, where's your skepticism? Right. Uh, Donald Trump. Catherine Graham. You know, what, what would how would she feel about that level of curiosity in your reporting? By the way, Bob Woodward's on the payroll. He did a great job uh, going after Trump and then publishing all the tapes. Why don't you use some of your journalistic skills to say, listen, I got to be fair. There's a lot here. I'll take it over. I remember how to do this. Yes. He's still uh, collecting a paycheck. I mean, they're, they're still, it, we have become so politicized and so us or them, red team, blue team, that we have forgotten the basic tenets of journalism, which is speaking truth to power. But we do cover Donald Trump's cases. We're covering all of it. There's cover all, all of it. Cover cover him. Cover Biden. Like, we we deserve a better system. That that's my whole thing. We we just we deserve a better system in this country. And I look at someone like Oliver Anthony and the pain that he's singing about and the experiences that he's had right. because the government has failed him. He, the, the government has failed people like him. People are working their asses off who have nothing to show for it. And if these are the leaders that we elect. I'm I'm done with that system. All right. Um but would you sing about it? Absolutely. Right. Like a like an angel, probably, Brian. I might release a Christmas album. Just because of my questioning of it. Wasn't you. even thinking about it before, but now right. I'm getting in the studio. All right, because we're out of Christmas albums. No one's doing them. They're not doing them anymore. Back you can't moment. even say Christmas album. <laughs> Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. But I think this issue, I think the governor's wrong. She's the governor of the state of New York. New York City is in that state. Every county in this state should be part of this. And that is the mayor taking aim at the governor. 
who's taking aim at New York, excuse me, at the federal government, who ripped back, Mayorkas ripped back at New York saying that they wasted the money that the federal government gave them. We have now 60,000 people still in here, three meals a day. They get laundry service. They're taking over uh, over 200 different locations, Kennedy. Uh, your thoughts about mayor, governor, president going at each other about something that matters so much. Kathy Hochul thinks she's going to be the next vice president. Really? Yeah, she's she's that dumb. She is really terrible. Yeah, she's an she's awful She's got a 40 percent approval rating. Yeah, she's she's which is one point more one point better than Kamala Harris. Um, and so that's why she's not being rational. She's not good at anything. It's like our schools are failing. Upstate, the economy is in the toilet. At least Eric Adams is one of the few kind of rational Democrats. And he just he's not asking for a wall. He's not asking for people to be frog marched back to El Salvador. He's asking for an immigration policy, an overhaul in this country, which we need. Right. You know, we need a couple of different things at the same time. But right now, with the five alarm fire, you need border security. Yeah. And this guy, but those let are it two happen. different things. Those are two very but, different but things. You but you could stop the bleeding right now yeah, by you, enforcing You have the law. to. I mean, you can't pretend that's not happening. And and you are incentivizing people to come to this country because they know. Like I walked past the Watson last night. That's that's where they're. What was like, it like? It, it was like summer camp. You know, all the kids have scooters. There are rows and rows and rows of free bikes in front of the hotel. People <laughs> playing music, hanging out. It's like. I, I wanted to stay at the Watson. I'm like, this looks like fun. Right. Like, they, they obviously sent the fun family people to New York. Do you know they're getting menus? Every of day? course they're And they gave the laundry they, done. They looked great. Uh, Everyone looked happy. Their clothes were a lot cleaner than mine. Right. They don't have any reason to steal They the felt shit. bad for me. Right. They ah. threw nickels at me. Right, which is a shame. That is a shame. Uh, but you don't, have to, you don't even have to steal the towels and shampoo. It's yours. Right? Yeah, I mean, you tell me. No, no, it's incredible. Uh, Kennedy, do you want to stick around for another segment? Yeah, sure. They use the sound like you want to. No, I didn't. I, I've never been invited back, so I'm delighted, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Hard yes. I'm sorry we have uh, Lucas next. <laughs> no, no, can Kennedy stay anyway? <laughs> the more you listen... The more you'll know, it's Brian Kilmeade. We have Biden shouting in a press conference. Name me one single objective that we set out to accomplish that we failed on. Name me one in all of our history, not one. I say to you, Mr. President, you got 13 pictures that we have all named. You got 13 that you did not accomplish. I know he can't name one of them without a card sitting in front of him or a teleprompter sitting in front of him. Uh, who like to check his watch when their bodies arrive from Dover? That's Darren Hoover, who's the uh, father of a fallen Marine. Uh, Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, who just could not be angry, and I don't blame him about the way we left Afghanistan. And the fact is, there's strong opinions that we could have stopped the suicide bomber before he blew up at Abbey Gate. Um, right now, Lucas Tomlinson is at the Pentagon. Uh, is that true, Lucas, or are you just saying you outside the White House? Uh, Brian, I'm actually at the, the D.C. Bureau this morning calling you from Washington. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I have bad news. What's that? I uh, could not decide whether to keep Kennedy or not, so she just did not leave. 
Do you have a problem with that? I'm, I'm here too, Lucas. So I if no you need problem. a, I'm happy to share the airwaves with you. Thank you very much. Brian asked me to stay, and then he was an Indian giver and told me I had to leave because you were going to be here. So, um, so I decided to stay, Lucas, because I'm a big fan of your work, and I think your reporting is top notch. Unlike Brian's, because he's a bully. <laughs> That's very kind. Let's do this together. Tag team. All right. So let's do this. First off, Lucas, uh, do you think that with this book coming out, talking about the the, uh, the last politician and goes to the details of what Joe Biden arrogantly decided for going all in, uh, meta, uh, military advice to get out the way he got out and then chose to said nobody told him not to get out or told him how bad it was going to be afterwards and then blame Trump? Do you think this will ripple down anywhere? Well, certainly President Biden's popularity, his approval rating has been underwater since the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And you're right, this Atlantic piece is very devastating for the president. The quotes are, are pretty insane. I mean, it says uh, Biden said, you foreign policy guys, you think this is all pretty complicated. It's just like family dynamics. Uh, most people think it's a little more complicated than that or more simple. General Milley, Scotty Miller, all of his uh, top aides said keep 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. I think we forget, Brian, that you know NATO wanted the U.S. to stay. And, you know, today the president talks about NATO being united. Let's remember how fractured it was when the U.S. decided to withdraw, because when Tony Blinken went to Europe, all of the NATO allies said, stay, don't leave. We would have had about 10,000 troops in Afghanistan, and most people say the Taliban wouldn't have been able to take over. Just before joining you on the call, I went back to uh, the president's press conference, that infamous press conference in July of 2021, when he was asked, is a Taliban takeover inevitable? The president said no. Somebody asked him, is this like uh, the fall of Saigon? Let's remember that uh, then-Senator Joe Biden was in the Senate when Saigon fell. You know, he was first elected in the fall of 72. He was in the Senate. He saw what happened when North Vietnamese forces took over Saigon, and the president said it's not it's not comparable. Well, of course, we saw something very differently two years ago. Worse, I think I think there are direct comparisons here, and you know, I, obviously, some of the Obama Biden policies led to the failures in Afghanistan. So, where are we now in terms of? The stability of the country and people who have been left behind, either Americans or translators and allies who were promised that if they did work with our government, they would uh, be given access to, if not U.S. citizenship, certainly an exit. Well, Kenny, the sobering reality is uh, more than 20 years ago, the U.S. went into uh, Afghanistan to stop the Taliban. And today, the Taliban rules the country. Uh, women have no rights. They've been ordered uh, not – they can't attend university. Remember, of course, the Taliban had falsely promised that they uh, women would still be able to go to school. Women and girls, by the way, would still be able to attend classes. That's not been the case. They've shut down uh, you know, barbershops, uh, salons. But more devastating, as you mentioned, is are the thousands of interpreters, uh, the brave men and women that helped the U.S. military for the past 25 years. Uh, many of them now are in hiding. Uh, they have to get jobs, you know, under aliases. They're they're running around scared, and of and uh, many people look at the withdrawal and, and ask why did the U.S. military leave before the diplomats, before all those uh, special immigrants, uh, special immigrant visas, and, and all the interpreters that helped the U.S. government.
So uh, the other story you're working on is what's happened with Hunter Biden and the situation with the Daily Mail publishes these stories. It looks like David Boyce's law firm was working with Hunter Biden and Devin Archer to help preserve the CEO of Burisma. Right. There's there's emails now that are very devastating saying Hunter Biden lobbied to have uh, Victor Shokin, the, the Ukraine's former top prosecutor that you uh, so deftly interviewed over the weekend, Brian, uh, to help have him fired. And, and of course, this is a charge that the president has been denying from the beginning. In fact, I was at the White House over the weekend and lobbed a few questions at the president. We landed on the South Lawn that, you know, Victor Shokin says, uh, you know, you accepted bribes. And of course, you have all the, the emails and the testimony from uh, the House Oversight Committee uh, in that FBI document from an informant, a Ukrainian-American informant, saying the president accepted a $5 million bribe and Hunter another $5 million. So it's, it's all very devastating. This, the the uh, evidence uh, continues to mount. Of course, the White House is denying uh, the president knew anything about this. But it is worth the question. I mean, all of our listeners know this. Is Was it a good look to have the president's son receiving millions of dollars from China, Ukraine, Russia? And, and of course, uh, Victor Shokin, as he told you, it was when Russian forces took Crimea in 2014, there was not a, much of a response from the Obama administration. He thinks that paved the way for Putin to launch the full-scale invasion of Ukraine. I would go as far to say when Biden waived the Nord Stream 2 pipeline sanctions a few months after taking office, the hasty withdrawal of Afghanistan, not just the bad look, you know, the C-17 with hundreds of Afghans hanging off the wing, but also just that it fractured NATO at the time. And it, the, NATO was not united, and that was all part, some officials believe, to uh, Putin's calculus. So what is the White House doing to try and undermine um, Shokin at this point? Well, they're denying that Shokin is telling the truth. They're trying to discredit him. There's been uh, some reporting uh, coming out since Brian's interview with that top pro- former top prosecutor saying he's not credible. Uh, and there's there's no question it's been just a full-fledged de- denial, Kennedy. Well, the problem is there's emails coming out. And, Lucas, could you tell me where the 5,000-plus emails that, that were recovered from the National Archives with right. the aliases of Joe Biden, where they're at now? How many How many does the, 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 the people that requested the FOIA, and I think it's Southeastern Legal Law Firm, right. how, how close are they to getting these? They requested in June of 2022. Well, it's been years since you've seen those emails. And, of course, the biggest question is why was then Vice President uh, Biden of the United States using an alias to communicate with his son? Uh, anybody who's listening to us who have children are probably not using aliases to communicate uh, with their children. So it certainly raises a lot of questions. My child uses an alias at college, so people don't know <laughs> she's my child. Pet right. names are okay, Kennedy. Pet names, nicknames, that's fine. Initials. Right. But, Thank you, know, you, Kitten. But but didn't Obama uh, didn't Obama have one too? I think we're learning more and more that uh, a lot of these politicians uh, had nicknames and aliases. Of course, you can't talk about emails and without talking about Hillary Clinton. And there, there's right. you know we would never find uh, those thirty thousand emails, which you know those were destroyed and never recovered. Speaking of sensitive information, Here, here's what Dana Perino said about this. I would love for the reporters who were in the briefing room when I was press secretary 
to revisit the stories that they did when there was this minor issue about people who were trying to do the right thing to make sure when they were dealing with the RNC, if they had a political job at the White House dealing with the RNC, that they used the right email. It became this gigantic scandal. We answered all the questions. There was congressional testimony. You had to turn over all the documents. The RNC to this day still has all of them archived, and it turned out it was absolutely nothing. I would love to see the curiosity from the media on this one. I don't think that they're going to get it. And when Eric Swalwell is your first line of defense for dealing with a foreign influence and fraternizing campaign, you are not in a good place. You are really not in a good place. Other thing is, Jesse, I was thinking about you earlier because you've utilized the FOIA Freedom of Information Act request in order to get information for stories that you're pursuing. And it's available to the American public. It's also available to media organizations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they use it. But in these particular stories, where have all the news nuggets come from? It's not from the media filing a FOIA request asking to find out if Joe Biden had aliases. It's coming from private organizations, sometimes are partisan organizations. That's also fine. It's under the First Amendment. But the media is so incurious, it really bothers me. So big difference, right? It sure appears that way. I mean, some a lot of people are pointing back to, uh, you know, the, the Russia dossier. I mean, not to go back that far, but, you know, the Clinton campaign, the DNC paying uh, for the dossier and the information. And we know what happened after that. So um, certainly a lot of questions and, and to the allegiance of, uh, of some groups and reporters. So are you surprised how few reporters are curious about this story, Lucas? I think there should be more questions. I certainly want to hear from Ukraine's former president, Poroshenko, what, what happened. Uh, with Victor Shokin, and they're, they're, it's just not a coincidence. Uh, the fact, the fact that then Vice President Biden went to Ukraine five different times. I mean, has our current Vice President uh, gone anywhere five times? Those are a lot of visits uh, to one country. And yes, he had the Ukraine portfolio, but those are just a lot of visits. Uh, and certainly, it's a matter worth investigating. Now, um, you. Uh, a Romanian. That's right. So do you have anything to add for the, to this? Uh, I would like to add some stuffed cabbage. Right. <laughs> Something. It's called sarmale. It's very delicious, and anyone who eats it uh, will achieve clarity and skepticism, which is something we need from reporters mm. like Lucas. Lucas I, I made a huge mistake allowing her to stay. That I didn't know you were Romanian. Right. That's, that's right, Lucas. Right. I have, I have the flag tattooed on my ankle. A lot of people think it's Italian. Which is fine. I right. mean, if it gets me free wine, I'll be like, oh, sure. Yeah, that's Italy. You need a Think colored tattoo. I think that would clear it up. How, right? how, many, <laughs> think it's how many people walk up to you to just stare at your feet and look at your ankle? It's, it's actually a creepy thing. Women in TV know not to wear open-toed shoes because there are so many foot creeps on social mm, media. Really? And there's something called wiki feet, and they rank women's feet, and it's really oh, gross. gross and weird. Yeah, this has really gone bad. But oh, you know what I like to show you? Remember, just getting back to the show, um, Dana Perino actually, as press secretary, handling this so-called problem with aliases. Listen. You said the Department of Justice continues looking for new documents yes. if they need to release more. In some of those documents that have been released, there have been non-White House addresses, email addresses that people have written from. Is there a policy from the White House that um, tells employees that if they're doing White House business, it should be with their White House email, or are people always free to use an outside address for business? No, and I talked a little bit about this yesterday, that um, there, are, there are certain individuals, limited individuals, that have responsibilities that... Um, where they might straddle both worlds, both White House and then have interface with political organizations. And so in those cases, um, they were given these emails in which in order to avoid um, 
any possible potential violations of the Hatch Act, they use those emails. Um, of course, people are encouraged to, on, on official White House business to do to use official White House accounts. Sometimes there might be a gray area, and people so have to you make got a it. So, so here's the thing: she's actually answering the question, Lucas. You you have a press secretary that answers nothing. There's a lot of reading going on. Yeah, but what's what's in that binder? Does she have? Is she like Mitt Romney? Does she have binders full of women? I think it's by subjects, and there's a lot of subjects to to work through. So they they give her the, the, this brick to, to to bring out and and go through. Uh, but certainly, I think uh, many reporters would like to see a little more of a, a back and forth uh, without the notes. Lucas Tomlinson, we, I really enjoyed this time. Thank you so much, Brian. And one quick plug of this book, Cobble, by Jerry Dunleavy and James Hassan on the uh, last days of Afghanistan and the blame to go around, uh, most notably to the Biden administration. Definitely worth picking up. The same bit. All right. Thank you, Lucas. It was great talking to me. Thank you, Kennedy. Bye. No, you can stay. Oh, I can't. I have to go. I have to go do MOS. For what? For what? For Fox News Saturday night. I'll be hosting this Saturday night on the Fox News channel. It's uh, it's going to be 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. in the West. Labor Day edition. Labor Day. We're going to be laboring all Labor Day. Someone's going to have a baby. Back in a moment. Miss a show? Have to tune out early? No problem. Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, any time you start out a question with the name Curtis Sliwa, that in itself states that it would do a disservice to me and other New Yorkers for me to even respond that. Curtis Sliwa? I mean, I mean, if you go look in a dictionary for the Roy Buffoon and tell me what picture you come up with. Okay. So Eric Adams upset at the president, upset at the governor, and upset that Curtis Lee has been arrested at least three times, showing up at these facilities that without the permission of the local community from Staten Island to Long Island uh, are being told that these now become illegal immigrant facilities. Old Westbury University, we're hearing. Stony Brook University, we're hearing. They got kicked out of upstate Buffalo State. Curtis Lee responded uh, actually did not hear the buffoon word, but promises a rematch when Eric Adams is up for election in two years. Cut 17. There will be a rematch. Get ready. Ali and Frazier. Thriller in Manila. The fans want it. The voters want me to run against Eric Adams again. Now, what prompted me was I saw all these communities in a rage because overnight, with no transparency, even the local elected officials weren't informed Eric Adams was just transporting illegal aliens into the community against the will of the people. And we have told the Adams administration and Governor Hochul, wherever you set up a migrant center, there will be demonstrations. And that's what he's done. And he's got himself arrested a couple of times because of this. But Eric Adams inherited his sanctuary city, uh, right to shelter. Both of them were there before. It's not his fault. 
But now that this is totally out of control, nobody ever intended for the hands to be out to this length, covering, costing the city this much in their schools and in their social service programs. People leaving because of the tax dollars, 122 business leaders demanding border security, while uh, also demanding that these illegal immigrants have a right to work, which you cannot do that because we're going to get another 100,000 if that happens. I just have never seen such whole holistic negligence in my life. And now we find out that ISIS-affiliated human smugglers are at the border. Listen to Julie Manchester from The Hill, Cut 20. I think it really makes Republicans' point in a way, um, uh, you know, on the Hill, and they're arguing that the border isn't secure and that you're having all of these outside ent- entities, including these Uzbek nationals, trying to find a way in. You know, that's not a good look for Democrats. It's not a good look for the Biden administration because this has been an issue that it seems like they've punted in, you know, over the course of this administration. And now it's reached this point where it's just simply sort of getting unsafe, or it's already been unsafe, but it's gotten to this point where you have now. National security really at risk. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, ICE is coming across the border. I think it's uh, it's political death and it's death and destruction to Americans. Why wouldn't there be? When you have 6 million people that we know of crossing over at various ways, let alone the gotaways, you don't think some of them are bad actors creating chaos? We also know there were two accused uh, rapists upstate who are acting, and we know about the horrific situations, which is not hard for you to Google. I don't want to go over it, but it's cost the... Uh, the the county executives to say no more illegals. And when the governor gets the pushback, she quit putting them all in the city. Eric Adams might be frustrated. And this city has been burdened more than any other city in the country that is not a border state. I got it. But what you do is you say no more sanctuary city, no more right to shelter. You already started with giving men 30 days to move on. Question is, where do they move on to? You listen to Brian Kill Me, Chelsea on the five tonight. 1-866-408-7669, the number to always call. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.